Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. Just a few days ago, the press and the pundits had declared the campaign dead. And then came South Carolina, and they had something to say about it. And we're told, well, when it got to Super Tuesday, it'd be over. Well, it may be over for the other guy. Tell that to the folks in Virginia. It's being described as one of the greatest political comebacks in modern American history. Just a few days ago, Joe Biden looked a beaten docket in his bid for the Democratic nomination to take on Donald Trump in November's presidential election. Now, the former vice president is favourite to win what's shaping up to be a two-horse race with Bernie Sanders, the standard bearer for the left, who fought Hillary Clinton all the way to the line in the Democratic race four years ago. After a poor showing in the early Democratic primaries and caucuses, Biden's fortunes turned with a wide margin win in the South Carolina primary at the weekend. And they were transformed by his succession of wins overnight in what's become known as Super Tuesday, the day when Americans in 14 states vote to pick the Democratic candidate in the presidential election. And CNN can now project that Joe Biden will win. Virginia, 99 delegates at stake in Virginia. Joe Biden will win the state of Texas. This is the story of the night for Joe Biden. We've seen in a 72-hour period Joe Biden go from being a joke to a juggernaut. Suzanne Lynch, our Washington correspondent, has had a late night and now an early morning following developments and she joins me now on the line from Washington. Suzanne, this is quite an astonishing turnaround for Joe Biden, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, I don't think anybody would have imagined these would be the results the morning after Super Tuesday, even just a week ago. Joe Biden has had a very uh, weak uh, presidential campaign since he entered the race last April. Um, He had underperformed in the first three primaries in Iowa, in New Hampshire and in Nevada, where he did manage to uh, finish second. But as you say there, the comeback really started on Saturday when he won South Carolina and won it decisively. So I think uh, this underlines the fact that his campaign strategy really paid off. And that strategy was to throw everything at South Carolina. Um, In the days beforehand, when other candidates like Bernie Sanders, like Elizabeth Warren, etc., were campaigning in Super Tuesday states, states that voted uh, on Tuesday, like California and Texas, Joe Biden in the run-up to South Carolina was in South Carolina campaigning nonstop. They threw all their money into that state. And uh, the calculation was that not only did he need to win South Carolina, he needed to win it big. He needed to win it by a big margin. That's exactly what happened in South Carolina when he won it with nearly 50% of the vote. And then that propelled what what we can only call a wave of support um, throughout the country that started in those eastern states uh, on Tuesday night as results came in of Virginia and North Carolina and then moved west. And like uh, the South Carolina model, um, we saw a lot of patterns in states like North Carolina and Virginia. The very fact that cable networks here began to call those races for Joe Biden so early in the evening meant that he had won them by quite a big margin. And we kind of saw that South Carolina effect uh, replicated where he won a large uh, majority of the African-American vote that wasn't as big in those states, but was relatively big among the Democratic community. And then, as I saw, it got said it got a little bit more competitive and in mid-country mid states like Tennessee, for example. But ultimately, he did emerge as, as the candidate. So look, it's a fantastic mo- moment for Joe Biden. Um, and now really what we're looking at is a two-horse race here. 
between Biden and Sanders. Still, still a lot to happen. Still a lot to happen in the next few days. Um, but I think his um, identity as a centrist, moderate candidate in um, an alternative to Bernie Sanders now is unquestionable. I think he has emerged from that very big, very fluid primary uh, race to become that that choice for America. And where did Biden score biggest on Tuesday? Where, where did he do the most damage to Sanders? Well, this is what Sanders' campaign may be worried about. I think there's one thing to point out. He actually did um, much better in states where there was not much early voting. So you could actually see in states like Colorado, where I think about 50% perhaps uh, of the votes had been early voting, Sanders did well. So did Michael Bloomberg. Um, but uh, in the states where more people voted on the day, uh, that's where Joe Biden uh, did well. So in other words, people who decided in the last day, in the last few days, that benefited Biden. So that would suggest that perhaps Sanders' support um, was generated from public opinion a couple of weeks ago and that he is going to be in a more difficult position now as we go forward because as this contest has continued over the last few days, Joe Biden has done well. So I think that's an important point that's going to be a concern for Sanders. Um, the, the second thing is, yeah, the African-American vote was hugely important to Joe Biden and still remains an important part of this election going forward, African-American turnout in particular. Um, the youth vote is where, uh, where Joe Biden did not do well and that's where Sanders did very well. However, um, and the figures are still coming out of this, you know, youth turnout did not seem to be very high in a lot of states. So again, if this is what uh, what Bernie Sanders is depending on, well, that's going to be, be a problem for him. But overall, we talked a lot about the suburbs of America back in 2018. And these were suburbs that um, maybe where a lot of independent voters, maybe Republican-leaning, a kind of moderate independents live uh, and they all turned away away from the Republican Party in 2018, presumably turned off by Donald Trump and voted for moderate Democrats. Um, and this is what's happened now for Joe Biden on Tuesday. So, say, suburbs of Houston, for example, which, um, you know, have huge numbers of people. They're the kind of demographics that went for Joe Biden. Um, women, college educated women, for example, went for him. Um, so, you know, in terms of how, who's best placed to defeat Donald Trump, et cetera, which is going to be the big question going into June, he does seem to have got quite a broad based uh, support at this point in the contest. So I think that is a good sign for Joe Biden. How has Biden done this, Suzanne? How has he turned around his, his fortunes, if you like, so quickly? Yeah, I think... I think there's a very simple explanation in one way. I was traveling around the country for the last few weeks speaking to voters and consistently I got the same answer when I asked people who they were going to vote for. And they were split in who they wanted to vote for. Time and time again, people said, well, I like Buttigieg, I like Warren, I, you know, Biden is an option. And the field was so wide, I think that a lot of voters just wanted somebody to get behind. And the vote was so split, particularly on the moderate side. And you saw that in the pollings in, in Iowa and New Hampshire, where, where these candidates like Warren and Buttigieg and Biden and Sanders were, were very close behind each other. Um, so once two, a few things happened, once uh, candidates began to drop out, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, uh, and most importantly, endorsed Joe Biden. I think those people, their voters, if their supporters got the green light to vote for Biden, I think a lot of them did, even though it's not as simple as that, but most of them probably did go to Biden. And second of all, I think the, the Democratic electorate as a whole just wanted someone to emerge as the obvious front runner and they were prepared to back them then. And, you know, they wanted the saver. They wanted someone who they think they should be voting for, that they, you know, is, a be is the bet they need to go for. 
And in the last few days, that person became Joe Biden with the endorsement from the other candidates, with the winnowing in the field. Uh, and then I think um, the decisive victory in South Carolina, as I said, was huge as well. That was down to the endorsement of, of one person, Jim Clyburn, a very uh, senior African-American member of Congress. So his endorsement obviously made a huge impact in the state of South Carolina. And then it was interesting in the subsequent days that followed. Joe Biden has been kind of amassing these endorsements from senior Democrats quietly over the last few months, but they haven't seemed to have made an impact then once the South Carolina victory happened, you had all kinds of senior Democrats coming out and backing him. People like Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia, who's a huge figure in the party. He's a former head of the DNC. You had people like Harry Reid, um, the former senator from Nevada, big kind of figure in Democratic politics who didn't but, but back anyone. He's from Nevada. He did not back anybody in Nevada. Uh, and then um, and he's actually complained in interviews that the Biden people had not reached out to him. Uh, and then in the last few days, we saw him backing Biden. So I think the whole Democratic establishment got behind him. Then voters said, right, we need someone to vote for who's going to beat Trump if this is the man we're prepared to, to back him, even though the concerns about his candidacy, of course, are still there and are going to be there for the next few months. But I think just, yeah, people wanted somebody uh, to get behind. And I think the 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 fact now that the, the field is winnowed, that was the main problem for Democrats. There were too many people in that race for too long. Uh, and once that began to change, it was always going to be the case that one person would emerge, and in this case, it was Joe Biden. Listen to that. That means we can sound. make a projection. <laughs> Bernie Sanders will win California tonight. Uh, the Fox News Decision Desk can now project... Sanders is on course to win California, the biggest, mm. the biggest state. How significant is that? Yeah, that is significant. It's extremely significant. And, you know, it's a worry for Joe Biden in the sense that if Sanders is winning you know, the youth vote, winning the Latino vote, winning kind of the future of America in terms of demographics. Well, then, you know, that is that is not a good place to be if you're Joe Biden and you are like and I didn't mention there, obviously, he's doing very well with older voters as well. Um, so, you know, philosophically and on a broad picture basis, you know, that's not a good place to be in saying that. Um, Joe Biden is doing um, much better than expected in California. You know, as I speak to you now, he's, you know, about seven or eight percentage points behind uh, Sanders, but he's picking up hundreds of thousands of votes. Uh, and we'll, we, it remains to be seen how well he does there. And just to clarify, Suzanne, for people who might not know, and you, you mentioned that there are 415 delegates in play in, play in California, but just it's not winner takes all, sure it's not. So it's, it's, uh, no. it's proportional. It's, it's proportional. Uh, so if you reach a 15% threshold, and it, it, there's a complicated formula, some of the, those um, delegates are calculated through a statewide 15% or a congressional district-wide 15%, which means you can do very well in a small district to get 15%. And as a result, you will get some of those delegates, those 415 delegates, which will become very valuable if this thing continues on the path it's on and you could have two candidates, Sanders and Joe Biden, very close. Every delegate matters. And um, so that's why we're going to see in the next few days a number of crunchers looking at California to see how many Joe Biden picks up. You know, the fact that Sanders d does well in California is a reminder of the strength of his vote. It's the, it's the biggest state in the union. It's the youngest in terms of the population voting on the Democratic side. Um, but as I say, I do think it's important that a lot of, of these voters in California did vote early. And, you know, if everyone had to go out and vote on Tuesday, what would have happened? 
the signals are, if you look at other states, that Joe Biden would have done better than expected in California. Because I didn't mention there, for example, the other big wins for Joe Biden for uh, on Tuesday were states like Minnesota and Massachusetts, Massachusetts, very liberal state. Joe Biden won that state. The polls were suggesting that Bernie Sanders was doing very well in Massachusetts. He was holding rallies in Boston. You had a big liberal vote there around the universities, Harvard, etc. And actually, it was Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren was supposed to win in, uh, in, in Massachusetts. It looks like she's going to come in third in her home state. Uh, that's uh, not good for Elizabeth Warren, but we should also just note the unbelievable accomplishment. Joe Biden did not campaign in Massachusetts. I don't think he campaigned. Elizabeth Warren, very high-profile candidate. She was probably in a, a preliminary battle with Bernie Sanders to win over the, the voters on the left of the party. And as you mentioned there, she couldn't even win her, her home state, Massachusetts. It was a, another very bad night for her, wasn't it? Yeah, a very bad night for Elizabeth Warren. Um, yeah, starting there with Massachusetts, her home state. Now, she had managed expectations on this. She was voting in uh, in Cambridge, Massachusetts on the morning of Super Tuesday. But she was aware that she could be in difficulty from Sanders. But as I say, in the end, it was Joe Biden that took her vote there and she ended in third place um, with just over 15 percent of the vote, which is what's relevant. Uh, and um, she is in I think she's in a lot of difficulty now. Uh, she is viable only in certain states where she did reach the 15 percent thresholds, but in a lot of states she didn't. So she has no win to report since she entered this campaign. We must remember, even though Pete Buttigieg, for example, uh, who is now pulled out, did win the Iowa caucuses. Um, but Elizabeth Warren has no wins uh, to report. Now, she had had a very good few weeks since her debate performance in Las Vegas when she successfully, very successfully, as has now emerged, uh, taken on Michael Bloomberg. And that was reflected in her fundraising, where um, she raised a lot of money on the back of that. Uh, she also got very prominent endorsements, even in recent days, by Emily's List, a very prominent women's group. Um, but look, I think she could be in serious difficulty now. Um, there seems to be no campaign events planned for Wednesday. Uh, but like a lot of the candidates, I think a problem is going to be money. It's going to be fundraising. That is when a lot of those candidates are forced to uh, to stand down. And that may well be the case with Warren. Now, what's intriguing, of course, about Warren is that if she does step down and her campaigners have been saying in recent days that she could be the person who's kind of a, a third party candidate if there's a brokered convention, if, you know, Sanders and Biden continue to fight it out and there's no uh, overall winner of the majority of delegates. Yeah, what is a broker? What is a brokered convention, Susanna? That's you mentioned it. No, yeah, no, that's when nobody gets a majority. So the rules say that you need to get half plus one of the number of delegates. So you need to get one thousand nine hundred ninety-one. But there's a possibility that Biden and Sanders um, will win close to that, but nobody wins a majority. So a debate is: Well, what do you do in that situation? If Bernie Sanders, for example, is ahead, it's very hard to say to him and his supporters: Sorry, you're not going to win that. Um, if somebody else is very close behind them. Uh, and that's where the superdelegates come in. These are kind of um, senior Democratic officials who would be able to cast a vote if it got to a second round. Um, and this was a very sensitive issue back in 2016 because, you know, the Bernie Sanders campaign effectively accused the Democratic Party of stitching it up for Hillary Clinton. So the Democratic Party don't want that again. But um, if there was this broker convention where nobody really has emerged with a majority, the Elizabeth Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren would say, well, I would, could be a good person as an alternative. Um, now, in saying that, it's going to be very difficult for her to stay in the race uh, until then. As I say, fundraising is huge, huge issue for her. Um, and of course, if she was to stand down, uh, what's fascinating is, you know, who would get her delegates. So the obvious thinking would be that a lot of Elizabeth Warren's uh, supporters would go to Bernie Sanders. She is 
um, as a leftist candidate, she supports many of the policy positions that Bernie Sanders supports, including on healthcare, which again was a huge issue for voters, um, according to exit polls here. Uh, so that 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 would be a boost for Bernie Sanders, and significantly, Elan Omar. Uh, one of the congresswomen who have backed Bernie Sanders seemed to kind of make a pointed uh, criticism of Sanders last night when she said something like, you know, what would have happened if if all the progressives had backed Bernie Sanders? So I think it's going to be pressure on her coming on her for that. But then, of course, as we've seen in this election, you know, that, that people don't just stay in their in their ideological lanes. A lot of women, for example, um, would have supported and voted for Warren but, you know, do not like Bernie Sanders. Uh, so they're probably more likely to go for Joe Biden. Like one person, it's a specific example. I saw Samantha Powers, former UN ambassador. Obviously, she worked with Joe Biden in the Obama administration. But like she was making the point she was living in Massachusetts. She wanted to vote for Elizabeth Warren. She wanted to vote for Michael Bloomberg, she said, because she likes the centrist views. But she ultimately voted for Joe Biden. Um, but, you know, that Warren vote won't necessarily all go to Bernie Sanders. And that is if she does uh, does step out of this race. Yeah. Um, as I said, she has indicated she won't do so at the moment. I, I do want to ask you, Suzanne, what a, a Biden versus Sanders race might look like. But you mentioned Michael Bloomberg there. And we just just mm. before we leave Super Tuesday, former New York mayor only entered the race formally on Super Tuesday, spent half a billion dollars of his own money in, in campaign advertising. Um, what does that, that investment yeah. look like now? <laughs> I think people are questioning his business credentials, given that investment and how that's paid off. Look, he had a very, very bad night. There is suggestion now today, Wednesday, that um, his his campaign have said they are going to look at things, going to reassess things. So whether he drops out in the next few days is, is a crucial question. But again, it's very difficult uh, to see how he's going to continue there. Like he, he re- really did not reach the threshold in a lot of states and the 15 percent de- uh, threshold to get any delegates. He won American Samoa, which um, involved 175 votes. That's an overseas territories, but that's about it. But in a lot of states, even like North Carolina, that was a state where he had quite a bit of support, put a lot of money into that state. He did okay. He got 13% of the vote, um, but again, not enough for 15%. Biden basically um, swept up a lot of his vote. And even in states where he did do relatively well to get back to the theme again, um, Colorado and, and actually California, where he did quite well, again, that reflects the early voting. Uh, patterns. So look, it looks like, again, a lot of political truism has have been, you know, completely revised here in the last 24 hours. And one being, you know, you well, you can't buy an election, essentially. Um, and, you know, the other issue is about the debates, like that Mike Bloomberg really suffered from his poor performance in those debates um, in Nevada and then the following week, week in South Carolina. And you have the extraordinary scenes here in the United States where people were watching the debates where Bloomberg was not performing well and then it would cut to an ad break and you would have these fantastically produced slick ads with this wonderful leader, Michael Bloomberg, and people would think, oh, he's great. And then it would flick back to the debate stage and there was the real Mike Bloomberg who was not performing well at all. Um, so it's, you know, it's it's quite a, a comfort for a lot of people now in this country that, no, you can't buy an election, that that matters. Um, so I think, the, of course, the question is for him is, is he going to keep his money in the race? He said he will. So this would be a huge benefit for Joe Biden if uh, if Bloomberg was to back him and put his many millions behind Biden. Biden, of course, had been, you know, his fundraising had been very, very um, sh- uh, shoddy. He had not raised m- much money at all in the first few weeks of, of the campaign. So, you know, he has in the last few days, in the last week, but, you know, he still needs uh, fundraising. Uh, and having Michael Bloomberg behind him would be a huge boost in, the, in that regard. 
So, Suzanne, if we are now looking at a straight duel between Sanders and, and Biden, um, did we learn anything last night, even maybe from the, the speeches of the candidates, as to kind of what kind of shape that campaign will take? Well, I suppose one way of looking at this was that Bernie Sanders took a lot more aim at Joe Biden than vice versa. Now, it was a different kind of night. Joe Biden was on a victory lap. Um, Bernie Sanders was trying to um, comfort, if you like, his supporters, having not seen this coming with the Biden surge. So that would indicate that um, Bernie Sanders is going to fight this. Um, He mentioned Joe Biden's record in voting for the Iraq war. Uh, on issues like trade, for example, and their differences on healthcare, um, so that would suggest, yeah, he's going to take a very uh, tough stance when it comes to Biden. Now, Biden himself, in in previous days, had been taking on Sanders. He had said, uh, you know, no one wants a revolution, and uh, they want results. And that line, we we should we will probably hear him saying again and again. Um, so, look, I think you know the, these broad brushstrokes of the Democratic Party now um, are laid out bare, and that is. The socialist wing, it's it's Hillary, it's 2016 again all over. So the socialist wing, wing represented by Bernie Sanders versus the moderate part of the party represented by Joe Biden, the absolute establishment candidate. Now, what, where things are different, though, than the Clinton versus Sanders scenario are that, um, and this is why one state next week will be crucial to watch, which is Michigan. So obviously, uh, Hillary Clinton had difficulty connecting with white working class voters in in previously reliable democratic areas like in Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio. This was Joe Biden's big argument when he entered the race, that he was this kind of working man's man who could appeal to those um, disaffected democratic voters who went for Donald Trump. He himself was born in in Pennsylvania. He began his campaign in that state. Um, And we are going to see a lot more of that narrative coming from Biden. So next week, Michigan is on the 10th of March is one of the states that vote. Now, Sanders won that against Clinton, I believe, and he he definitely has been leading in the polls in that state in recent weeks. But now the polls are suggesting that actually Biden is picking up pace there. So if Biden was to do well in Michigan, that would be you know a huge boost for his campaign because then the argument would be, um, well, I can connect with these voters that uh, went to Trump. And of course, Sanders, there's a lot of overlap between those voters, between Sanders and Donald Trump, essentially. Uh, now, he has broadened his base significantly, but the reality is that in states like Wisconsin, the Sanders campaign always say this, where Donald Trump won, ultimately, that's where Sanders did better in the Democratic primary than Hillary Clinton. So if if Joe Biden is going to eat into that his vote there and is going to be a stronger candidate than Hillary Clinton, that's very significant. The other uh, issue that we'll learn more about, um, and I'm sure will be analysed in the next few days, is turnout. Another debate about this whole nebulous concept of electability is, you know, the Bernie Sanders argument is that I can energise people, I can energise my base and get them out to the voting booth. And we saw that that in Hillary Clinton's case, that that was a major issue for her. A lot of disaffected Democrats who didn't like Trump and didn't like her didn't bother going and voting. What seems to have happened last night is that there's been a, a higher turnout in a lot of states, like an extraordinary figure for Virginia, where it seems to have doubled since 2016. And uh, Joe Biden, of course, took that state very decisively last night. So that would suggest that turnout is up, that Joe Biden can motivate voters to get out and vote. So I'm sure his campaign will be going through those figures today and trying to, again, use that as an argument why he should be be the candidate. And Suzanne, now that Biden has reasserted himself, he is going to come under ever more scrutiny. And I mean, he has a lot of experience, a lot of charm, but but he is a little gaff prone, isn't he? So mm. it, it, it could be a bit of a white knuckle ride for Democrats if he does I actually win so. the nomination. 
Exactly. All those problems have not gone away about his candidacy. Uh, I think what we did see as well when we were saying, you know, how did he, he pull this off? That a lot of people who endorsed him, like Pete Buttigieg, Beto O'Rourke, Amy Klobuchar, all talked about restoring dignity and decency to the White House. And his success suggests that is kind of what people want in this country, that, you know, they're willing to uh, put aside his shortcomings, uh, his gaffes, um, and instead just back him because they feel that he does have that dignity, that integrity um, that's needed at this time, the absolute antithesis to Donald Trump. In saying that, look, yeah, he's going to come up under a lot of pressure in terms of his debate performance. He may well do better when it's one-on-one against Bernie Sanders. Um, he knows Sanders very well of old, um, and he may, you know, his debate performances were not good, but they did improve in the recent debates. So I think that's going to be giving some of his supporters hope that he may kind of improve on that. But um, of course, the other issue is that how, uh, and this is how people are going to read the debates, this inflects the debates, how is he going to be positioned to take on Donald Trump in a debate stage? There's going to be a lot of strategy behind that. Does he maybe try and take the, the, the moral high ground on that? But I think the big worry for him is that the whole issue around his son, Hunter Biden, you know, Burisma, that Ukrainian company, people may have forgotten that, but that was the key issue in the impeachment trial. Dem- uh, Republicans have been very uh, quiet on that, but I think that's going to come back in a big way now that Biden has emerged as a serious front runner here again. And I think the Republicans are going to be hammering home um, they what they feel is unfair uh, relationship between his son, Hunter Biden, who served on the board of a Ukrainian gas company when his father was a vice president. Now, it's very difficult for Donald Trump to argue against that, given that his own children um, are here, they're in the Oval Office, Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared Kushner, despite having zero political experience. So, you know, that's a tricky argument for um, Donald Trump uh, to to peddle, but I'm sure he will. So I think his vulnerabilities in terms of Hunter Biden and Burisma uh, are, are, are going to be ones to watch. And it's, it's just a, a little anecdote, but it's significant. It was uh, when there was a kind of an, a very emotional, it has to be said, handover speech between Pete Buttigieg when he and Joe Biden when he endorsed Biden uh, in a restaurant in Dallas on Monday night on the eve of Super Tuesday and and Joe Biden, which is kind of, you know, where he's strongest, spoke very, very passionately about how impressed he was with Buttigieg and how he reminded him of his other son, Bo, who died of uh, cancer when he's 46 a few years ago. But during that, um, I don't know if he, he directly referenced it, but he has definitely said that he really appreciated the fact that Buttigieg on the campaign um, trail and on the debate stage, when it came up, he was asked a few times about Joe Biden's son Hunter and this controversy over Ukraine, and he refused to criticise Joe Biden. He jumped in and defended him on that, uh, and Joe Biden really appreciated that from Buttigieg. So it's obviously a sensitive issue for him, and it could, you know, it could raise problems for him because undoubtedly it is an issue. Why was Hunter Biden, who had no experience in gas uh, and Ukrainian politics, appointed this to this board? Uh, so it remains to be seen if that's going to hurt him. Will Bernie Sanders start coming out and raising that issue? Very likely, particularly of the fact that it kind of neatly fits in with his narrative of establishment Democrats and the power of big corporations and politics, etc. So look, this could get a lot more messy in the next few weeks. Okay, Suzanne. Well, it's certainly, we can say it's game on, I think, in terms of the, the Democratic race. We'll be talking about this again, no doubt. That's all for this week. For more on this and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.